Well, good morning to you here, and good morning to you online. And uh, we're so glad that everybody's with us this morning. My name is Garth Alexander. I'm one of the elders here at the Alliance Bible Church, and uh, it's my privilege to share from God's Word this morning. Um, filling in for Alex, uh, he's been taking a big music role uh, in these last couple of weeks. So, all right. So, what I'm going to preach on today is John 4. And this is the third message of our series called Connect With. And the truths being shared here are vital to our purpose statement and our strategy to accomplish our purpose statement. Our purpose being working together to restore hope to all people. That word hope is so key. Isn't that what everybody needs today? And our strategy, developing Jesus followers or disciples who worship, love, and connect. So there you go, connect. That's what we're going to talk about today is connect. We're in John 4, and I entitled this message, Connecting at the Well. And there's a subtitle, we call it, What Has Jesus Done for You? That's something to think about, and I hope you'll think about it as we go. And so today we will look at the example of Jesus himself, connecting with someone in need of hope. And who was that? That was the Samaritan woman. As a matter of fact, he ended up con connecting with an entire town. Why? Because the Samaritan woman told everybody what she experienced with Christ. She told them what Jesus did for her. And so who knows what God will do through us as we believe, as we do what he sends us to do in the world. Bartlett, Chicago, United States. Who knows what God will do in uh, reaching people for Christ. So we begin, uh, Jesus is leaving Judea, which is in the south. And he's heading to Galilee in the north. And this is significant. Uh, verse 4 says, And he had to pass through Samaria. I like the old King James Version. It says he must needs pass through Samaria. I must needs get there, you know? You like the old English once in a while? I sure do. Well, what does that mean? I must needs go. I had to pass through. He had no other way route to go, right, but by Samaria. Wrong. And I brought my laser pointer. I only use it one time because I know these are not in fashion anymore. One time they were. Okay, so he's down here in Judea. He's going to Galilee. This is Samaria, all this area, Samaria. See it? And here's Sychar, by the way, where this woman is going to be at Jacob's well. And so he's coming from this area in Judea where John the Baptist baptizes in the River Jordan, right here. Now, most Jews are going to take this route across the Jordan and up through Perea, cross the Jordan again, and then go to Galilee. Okay? And apparently there was another route up the seacoast. But that would have been a farther route. But Jesus, he goes directly through Samaria. Now most Jews will not go through Samaria. Why is that? Partly because of fear 
and partly because they just absolutely detest the Sumerians. Can't stand them. And so, it's very interesting and amazing what Jesus did by going through Samaria. Okay? Now the point being is, is that it wasn't like he had to. He made a decision, I'm going through Samaria for a reason. So what happened to the Jews and the Samaritans? We'll just look at the history real quick because it's significant. In 722 B.C., the Assyrians, um, a big empire, they took the Samaritans captive to Assyria and they sent back non-Jewish replacements to Samaria to influence the culture. (laughs) Sounds like today, doesn't it? We have people trying to influence our culture. So the problem with that, though, is it resulted in mixed religion, partly Jewish and partly pagan idolatry. And this is bad, too, for the Jews. The Samaritans considered Mount Gerizim, the mountain that this woman's going to talk about, they think it's the holy site and not Jerusalem. So these things are detestable to the Jews. And to add insult to injury, in 600 B.C., The Babylonians, another big empire that developed, they came and they destroyed Jerusalem. They took the Jewish people captive to Babylon. But then 70 years later, a Jewish remnant returned to rebuild Jerusalem. You know, the temple and the wall, uh, like you read in Nehemiah, rebuilding the wall. And guess who opposed the work? The Samaritans. Of course, it was the Samaritans. So the Samaritans feared the Jews would threaten their way of life, and the Jews feared that the Samaritans would corrupt their religious traditions. So this history shows us how amazing Jesus is. Most Jews avoided Samaria, but Jesus went there intentionally. And we remember that Jesus didn't come to do his own will. He said, I always do the things that please my Father. And so Jesus was on his father's agenda. If Jesus had been on his own agenda or somebody else's, he would have gone the sweeping route to the right there around the end. But he didn't do that. His father had a divine appointment for him. This was set. It was to go to the well, connecting at the well with this woman of Samaria. This was intentional. So question, are we intentional about connecting? I love Zeke's story because that to me shows an intentionality. But are we intentional about connecting with people for Christ? So if God asks you to connect with your most annoying coworker, what would you do? Would you say... Yes, Lord, I'm ready. I will go. Or will you try and find a way maybe <laughs> around the end, like the Jews, right? Or how about a neighbor? <laughs> I have many neighbor stories, but uh, this one neighbor, and I'll say he's a very nice person. He's a really nice person. He'll help anybody to a fault almost. So... You know, I'm backing out of the driveway, and I'm going to work, and I'm really kind of running behind, right? 
and you're, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, wait, I got to talk to you. Oh, no, <laughs> not him again, you know. Uh, and I start thinking to myself, I wish I had a driveway in the back of the house that could go out <laughs> an alleyway, right? And so I'm a little bit exaggerating that, but uh, <laughs> are we, you know, intentional about connecting? Or do we sort of avoid what's not comfortable? Let's put it that way. All right, so we have three points we're going to look at. First of all, a barrier breaker. And if you haven't guessed yet, the barrier breaker will be Jesus. Praise the Lord. Secondly, a deeper need. There's always a deeper need. And thirdly, an amazed evangelist. Who might that be? All right, first of all, a barrier breaker. So we read in verse 6, So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Interesting, right? Jews hate the Samaritans. Samaritans hate the Jews. And look where Jesus is. You want to know what this is really like? Let's put it in modern day words, okay? Let's say uh, Nancy Pelosi. You know her, the, the house speaker, Nancy Pelosi. She lives out near San Fran, uh, no doubt some beautiful home. And uh, let's say she's going outside in the morning to go get her newspaper. Lo and behold, she opens the front door, and on the porch is sitting President Trump. <laughs> and what's even worse than that, he has the gall, the audacity to say, Nancy, will you please get me a cold drink of water? What would she be thinking? I think she would have been startled, number one. I'd be startled if I saw President Trump on my porch. That would make me nervous. What's going on? But I think this woman, this Samaritan woman, must have been startled. Okay? Um, verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, that's Jesus, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? And then the text throws in there, For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. I think her first question was probably, What is a Jew doing here at the well that I go to every day. And I think secondly, she thought, why in the world would this Jewish man talk to me? And I think thirdly, she probably thought, why would he think that I might draw water for him? It's bad enough that he's here, and now he's asking me to do something for him? Forget about it. And so there it is, the barrier, right? The barrier. There's a big barrier, and uh, we run into those every day with people, right? But Jesus, uh, yeah, notice Jesus did not start with uh, the old arguments that they have between each other. He didn't say, I'm right, you're wrong, you Samaritans are no good, you're causing trouble. No, you just get me a drink. He didn't do that at all. Not at all. In verse 10, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you 
living water. What a statement. You know, Jesus did not see her as a wretched Samaritan. He saw her as God's creation, a human being that needed salvation, a human being that needed hope in an angry, violent world. One of the things I love about the Bible is it's just so timeless. The things they address in there, these are similar things that we see every day in our world. She's just a human being that needed some hope. And this woman was amazed because she never heard a Jew speak like that before. Never. He was different. Jesus was different. And then she says in verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And so the Samaritan woman, she's still on the topic of religious differences, right? She kind of liked the idea of water that he could give her, right, to what she can get. She's not used to getting things from men. She's usually used to giving to them. And so um, she said, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. So what Jesus does, he breaks the barriers. He supersedes all things religious. He is the Holy Son of God. He has no desire or intention to go into religious debate and argument. He basically offers her something, and that was, guess what, himself. Himself. So Jesus broke the barrier. And now she is really thirsty, and he has something that she desperately needs. It's living water. I don't know if I read this here. Verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a water, a well of water springing up into eternal life. And we note here that what he's talking about is living water. It's not a stagnant pool, like this a well, very stagnant pool in a lot of ways. And it was a well of water springing up, like an artesian well that springs, it bubbles forth fresh water, and it never stops. It's always flowing. And see, all that she ever was offered before from religion were just rules and regulations, ceremony and tradition. Those things never satisfied her deepest need for this living water. But the love of Christ breaks barriers. Jesus just said a chapter earlier, we're in John 4, what's in John 3? What's the famous verse in John 3? 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And the, the whosoever part of that, that's the good news, right? Even the Samaritan woman can be saved. 
Secondly, we see a deeper need. So now the Samaritan woman is very interested. But Jesus knows our hearts. He knows that her greatest problem was not a physical thirst, but rather a spiritual thirst caused by sin. And it's the same for all people, including you and me. And so this woman, she had a perceived need. Verse 15, the woman said, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. So that's what she's thinking about, the water. And not only just drawing the water and that, but she says, I have to come all the way. She had to walk probably a mile to go get the water and then just to carry the water back. I wouldn't like that either, would you? Aren't you glad you have water in your kitchen? Ah, boy. But Jesus addresses her real need. Verse 16. (laughs) He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. What an odd statement. Why would he ask that? Well, there's a reason. And so she, (laughs) she has a history, and she has trouble, But she tries to sidestep it, and I think for a brief moment in time, I think this woman really thought that she tricked Jesus. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Huh, it's over. What else do you want to talk about? (laughs) But Jesus doesn't operate like that, does he? He gets to the deep need. He gets all the way down in there. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. Her sidestepping didn't work. She got tackled. There you go. She pulled up Barry Sanders, right, and got tackled. There you go. (laughs) The Samaritan woman had been leading a, a sinful life. She had tried to quench her spiritual thirst through relationships. And guess what? It didn't work. After five and now six, apparently it's not working out too well. (laughs) And I know, and I I think of my wife, and I I think probably all the ladies in here are saying, five husbands, no way, Jose. (laughs) Right, Sue? I think one is enough. So let me tell you a story. There was a middle-aged bachelor. He decided that he needed to get back to church. Okay? So he went one Sunday to church. And everything was just fine. Except he noticed, like, he's sitting here and over there in an adjacent section. There's a woman that keeps staring at him. And she won't stop staring at him. He tried to ignore her, but... Every time he kind of peeked over, there she's still staring at him. He didn't know what was going on. Then after the service, he just happened to bump into the woman. And he said to her, Excuse me, but I noticed that you were looking at me throughout the service. Do I know you or something? She said, No, you don't know me, but you look exactly like my third husband. The man replied, hmm, third husband, 
And he asked her, how many times have you been, you've been married? And she replied twice. And so we try and fulfill the spiritual thirst by all kinds of things in the world. And this lady thought her third husband would do it. Okay, there we go. Some of you got it. I wonder if you all got that joke. <laughs> Did you? Because it's funny. It really is. All right. <laughs> I died when I heard that joke. All right. <laughs> right, Grace? That's my daughter. She, she tends to laugh like I do. All right. So, but the, the key here is Jesus has the thirst quencher. Jesus has the spiritual Gatorade that really hydrates. It really does work. And note that Jesus never rails on her. You know, his intention is for breaking the bondage and setting her free because Jesus cares for her. Jesus loves her. He wasn't there to win some argument. He was there to connect and to love this woman who desperately needed love and hope. And so then, after the uh, exchange about the husbands, typical of all humans, she changes the subject again, because he's really getting in deep. Verse 19, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So you've had five husbands, one now isn't. Hmm, <laughs> I guess you're a prophet then, aren't you? Change the subject, right? Don't talk about me. Let's talk about your occupation. Verse 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So the Samaritan woman, she goes back to the feud. She goes back to this barrier that Jesus was breaking. And Jesus does set her straight, but in a loving way. And he supersedes all arguments with the gospel. Verse 21, he said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know for salvation is of the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And thank God, this is where we are today. It doesn't matter if you're in uh, Mount Gerizim in Samaria, or Jerusalem at the temple site, which now has the Dome of the Rock on it, or if you're in the Oval Office, or San Francisco, <laughs> or a prison cell, we can know God and worship him directly. In Christ, because of what he did, his work on the cross, his resurrection, he gives us the Holy Spirit, and now we know God, and we can worship him right where we are. And so there's always somebody who says, oh, that means I don't have to go to church. The answer to that is sort of, but we still do, right? Because now we want to go to church. Now we have life in us. We want to share it. We want to interact. We want to connect with Christ. We want to connect with believers. Jesus said, where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. 
We gather to him. He's here in a very special way this morning. And you know the Holy Spirit moves and he's looking at hearts, right? We all have deeper needs. We may not talk about them, but the Holy Spirit knows. And just like Jesus knew about this woman and what she really needed, the Holy Spirit does that. And he reveals to us, convicts us. Why? So we can be delivered. So we can be set free. So we can know the love of God in Christ. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, that when he comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, he he very clearly told her, I who speak to you am he. So this woman, she suspected that Jesus would be the Messiah, and now Jesus plainly tells her that he is. Okay, so what now will this woman do? She's been confronted. Now she knows the Messiah. What will she do? Well, thirdly, we see an amazed evangelist. This woman becomes an amazed evangelist. By the way, it's not amazing evangelist. It's amazed. You know, amazing. Not everybody is, uh, you know, uh, Billy Graham or Luis Palau. But you can be an amazed evangelist because you see Christ. She's blown away, this woman. So here's what she does in verse 28. The woman left her water pot. That's big. That's why she was there. And she went into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? Meaning, it is the Christ. (laughs) They went out of the city and were coming to him. This woman, I'll bet she ran in a lot of ways. And she's excited. She's really excited and amazed. What has Jesus done for her? It's hard to express, but it is amazing. Her description here in verse 29, I believe, is only a small part of what Jesus did for her. She ran saying, this, this uh, man told me everything that I've done. But I think there's more that amazed her. She intentionally, or excuse me, he intentionally met her at the well. He could have gone around Samaria, but he came right to there to see her. Isn't that what God did to each one of us? He intentionally came to each one of us. I remember the day. He spent time with this woman. He spoke kindly to her. She wasn't used to that. He gave her hope. He spoke truth to her. He cared enough to speak the truth. He revealed his identity to her. He saved her. He amazed her. And so now, this woman is an evangelist, okay? Evangelist is somebody who brings good tidings and publishes glad tidings. So she went around telling now what Jesus did for her. And I call her an amazed evangelist because she was. But also, truth is, the only good evangelist is an amazed evangelist. Right? 
You ever heard of a disappointed evangelist? I don't listen to him. How about a bored evangelist? You can be saved. Not very effective, you know. How about a lost evangelist? The way to go. I don't know. All right. She was amazed. She couldn't help but just like pour out what she was thinking and what was going on inside. And you know what, people, friends, brethren, amazing, or not amazing, amazed people tell their story. That's why the only good evangelist is an amazed evangelist, because amazed people tell their story. Listen to kids when they get off the roller coaster. Am I right? That was awesome. Let's go again. They're so excited, they're going to tell it. Then, guess what? Six months later, they're at the relative's house for a holiday, and they say, hey, long, last summer we went to Six Flags, man. We went on the Raging Bull. And they go on and on about it, because it amazed them. What's your story? I know my story. The day I got on my knees and prayed to receive Christ, I can't tell you what happened but I knew that something big happened. I felt so relieved. My sins were forgiven. I knew that. I was a wretched sinner, and I knew that. <laughs> but Jesus intentionally met me. See, I was the one at the well. I was the one at the well, and I know that. He went out of his way for me. I felt love like I never did before. Never before. I knew I was going to heaven, and I had peace for the first time in my life. I all felt peace in here and there, but real peace. I had hope now. I could go on in life and overcome because of Jesus Christ. I was amazed. And now the thing that is impressing upon me is that I need to continue to be amazed. Because things do wear over time, don't they? We have to <laughs> get it going. What's your story? Maybe one reason that we rarely connect and share the gospel is because we are no longer amazed. Is that possibly true? I know I felt that a lot. And it's becoming real to me going through this chapter. But this woman was amazed. She was excited. She was so grateful. And look at the result. Verse 39. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman. Because of this amazed evangelist, all these people got saved, came to Christ testified he told me all the things that I have done so when the Samaritans came to Jesus they were asking him to stay with them and he stayed there two days how about that Jews Samaritans fighting he stayed there two days <laughs> nobody would stay there five minutes none of the Jews would many more believed because of his word and why did all this happen because Jesus broke the barriers 
He addressed a deeper need, and the woman received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So many more believed. That's what the text says. And for us, we can repeat this cycle of salvation in our day, right where we are at our job, in our neighborhood, when you're driving your, back in your car out to go to work. We can do that today. And we trust that God brings salvation. All right, so what? And this is something that Alex came up with, so what? But it's not, so what? It's, it's so what? You know, it's like an, an amazing thing. It's not, so what? You know? All right. He never said that before, so I thought I needed to clarify that. You know? Okay. So what? First of all, don't be surprised when God puts people in our path. <laughs> or annoyed. <laughs> or irritated, you know? The neighbor comes running when you're late for work. We need to connect. We need to be intentional about connecting. Second of all, don't be fooled by first responses or appearances. Pray, and when it's time, boldly and lovingly ask the deeper questions. I really appreciated what Zeke was sharing about how he was able to talk, have a conversation with that atheist. You know, most, that's pretty good, Zeke. God bless you. <laughs> Thirdly, what has Jesus done for you? And be amazed. That's the key. That's, that is how we're going to start connecting, is if we are amazed. Because the only good evangelist is an amazed evangelist. So... Praise the Lord. God bless you. Uh, let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the example of Jesus Christ and who he was. He was God. He was holy. He was love. Scripture tells us God is love. And he cared for even the person who would be called an enemy. And he found a way he went deeper, and he cared for her, Lord. Thank you that you care for each one of us. Help us to receive your love today. Help us to receive your salvation. And Father, help us to be those who are like Christ, who don't take the easy way, but take the way that God has put before us the way of connection, the way of reaching out, the way of sharing the gospel, the good tidings, the good news, Lord. We want to be those people. And so, Father, we thank you so much. And we commit ourselves to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.